Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Having a horrible week. Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Jacob Redman. Jacob, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Zach. Uh, you know, this has been a pretty good week. It's been a mm-hmm. week filled with some uh, phone games trying to find the official hang <laughs> in their phone game. Uh, so I'd say I'd say it's one of my most productive weeks, you know. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, I had a good week as well. I cannot complain too much. Admittedly, though, I did have a bad Sunday morning. I had some gastrointestinal distress a la Stephen Fishback, our fellow Rob has a podcast <laughs> podcaster on uh, Survivor Second Chance. So that's why we're recording a little later than usual. But the podcast will be coming out at the exact same time. So no big deal. Yeah, uh, none of you will know that it's coming a bit late. Uh, you might just notice that uh, we'll have some late night vibes uh, recording uh, Monday night as opposed to our usual Sunday morning. You yeah. know, I feel like cartoons are meant for the mornings. So maybe maybe this will become a drama podcast. Who knows? <laughs> well, this was, a mo- I mean, this episode did have some comedy. It did have some seriousness. So we'll see if our podcast gets a little more serious than usual due to the late night vibes. But I'll be honest, I kind of like this evening podcast. I mean, we don't do it often because Jacob is an employed individual and I am currently <laughs> unemployed. But this is like, a, I was able to eat a good lunch. I was able to come in and chill. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like this evening podcast, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can uh, get some more late night podcast vibes going. See how see how this one goes. We'll see. So, first. But. Was, there, was there a front runner for the Aang in their official app? Do you have a do you have an app that really fancied you that really caught your eye when you were playing it? Well, so I tried a few. Uh, some people in the patron discord suggested a few games. So I tried uh-huh. those for sure. Um so one of the ones I tried, you know, classic, uh, just nice little temple run. Uh, it, you know, it kind of matches the whole like uh, Aang and Avatar thing because they're running away from something. It's like super agile, but that game just hasn't updated. It felt a lot like. Uh, well, do you remember your temple run time. high scores, Jacob? I think I remember mine. I think I was up, I was in the millions once upon a time. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I was up, yeah. up there. I, I was in the very low millions, as in I got to one million and then started bragging about it. <laughs> yeah, because I remember back in my phone, like back when I played the most phone games, probably in high school, when I first got my iPod Touch and my horrible like ghetto touch screen phone or whatever that I ended up getting. So that was like the apex of my phone mobile app playing days. But yeah, I don't know. For me, I stick to the word games. I like Sudoku. I'm like an old white man now when it comes to my mobile game playing. What about you, Jacob? Besides like for Aang in there do you actually like play a bunch of mobile games in your day-to-day life uh this is a little embarrassing but i did <laughs> play some of those like uh simulator games where you just like it's like the idle things you just like tap a bunch and then get to leave for a day and come back and you have more stuff uh 
Do you have an example of that? Like, is there a popular one of these? Because I, I, mean, yeah. I don't know if I'm familiar with the genre. Okay, so so my favorite one's called Pocket Planes. Uh, I get to set up my plane empire. Uh, I get to buy planes and then have uh, like flights that I get to ship. Uh, but there are other ones. Uh, there's like an idle courier or like, uh, I don't know. They have all sorts of idle games, but Pocket Planes is the best one. But that's not the that's not the best app that I tried for this week. The best one is Super Brawl Universe. Have you ever played Injustice? Uh, yes, the Injustice video. So the DC game based on Mortal Kombat. Yes, I have played Injustice. Yeah, so it's just like a bunch of DC characters fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Super Brawl Universe is the same thing, except it's Nickelodeon uh, characters fighting each other. So it's like SpongeBob fighting Aang. Uh, I played oh, that. Oh, and, and they have all the, the official Nickelodeon app. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah. That's the perfect game to represent the point. Honestly, no joke. I got my new little, or not new, but I got an S7 Edge recently off of Fred. Maybe I'll download some super brawl universe after this yeah i have to say the uh the actual fight mechanics kind of sucked uh but it was fun to play as ang uh i didn't unlock cora yet but i think i'll keep trying until i can get cora uh that's where i am i also tried run with ryan by the way uh it was suggested by a listener it's Mm -hmm. just subway surfers but with the kid from Ryan's toy review, he has an app. Oh my god! I can't so believe bad. I can't believe that yeah. exists. I'm shocked. Delete that from your phone immediately. Done. <laughs> we are an anti-Ryan's toy review podcast. Especially, his, yeah. I don't even hate Ryan. I hate. I honestly, I hate his parents more. But we'll leave that for that. In fact, we've we've got pretty far off the deep end. But this is a fun little first five minutes of the show. So about this episode, return to Omashu. What were your initial thoughts? Like, did you like this episode? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, this is an episode that I think I really enjoy, uh, but it's odd because anytime I've watched this episode, I think I watch like The Cave of Two Lovers and Return to Amashu and maybe even The Swamp like all at once. Like I'm doing like multiple episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. So for this podcast, I just watch the one episode for the week so that, you know, I don't get too far ahead of myself. And mm-hmm. when I'm like going back to watch Return to Amashu and then when I watch it a second time, I kind of felt like um, like it was a solid episode, but I feel like it's better in a binge than standalone. Did you have I a would, same feeling? Yes, I would agree with this because I en- I enjoyed this episode. I actually liked it, but I also feel like a lot of it is like expedi- exposition and set up for what's to come. So this episode, we get the introduction of May and Ty Lee. And it's like, yeah. if you're a viewer who's already binged the show prior, like myself and Jacob have, and I assume many of the listeners of the podcast have, because we have a lot of spoilers. So if you did not finish the show prior to listening, then I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, so I assume most of the people listening have done that. And like, this is an episode where if you're in a binge and stuff, you kind of like you got like a lot of the plot points you're yachting because you already know you know Ty Lee and May are going to join Azula. You know a lot of the stuff that's about to happen. You know Boomy is not going to end up as Ang's earthbending teacher. Toph will assume that role in a couple of episodes. So I, I think I think I see what you mean here, Jacob. Yeah, and honestly, thank goodness that Boomy is not the teacher. Like I love Boomy. Uh, Boomy's super fun. But uh, good in small doses. Uh, He's not someone that you want all the time. And Toph is that great character that I think the like everyone's so happy that Boomy's not freed here. Like, and I I like how they use Boomy in this episode as well too. Yeah, just to add on to your point. No, ultimately this is a good episode. Like, I enjoyed it for sure. But when I think back on like. Uh, this episode returned to Amashu. It's like, oh yeah, we get to see Boomy again. Like we get introduced to May and Ty Lee. And yeah, I think it like 
good, not great. Uh, I think we've had better episodes and better mm-hmm. episodes are still to come. So there you go. That's my initial review. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that take. I think season two, in my opinion, really picks up when Toph is introduced, which yeah. we'll get to soon. But these these initial episodes are good. And I and honestly, after last episode, I kind of liked I was like, okay, I, I mean I wanted more of Azula last episode. We didn't get any, so it was a pleasant like thing to see her in quite involved in the plot this week in return to Amashu. So I guess on that note, shall we dive straight into the episode? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, we pick up like seconds after the last episode ends off. Uh, the last episode, we see Sokka and the rest of the gang going up and seeing Omashu has fallen. The next thing that we see is, uh, so now like Omashu's fallen, uh, we see the Fire Nation has Omashu and Aang is saying that we still have to go into the city to find Boomy. Uh, he's trying his hardest to convince everyone and no one else is really that convinced. Yeah, Sokka and Katara, especially Sokka, seems to want to move on quickly. And I think, what does Katara say? She's like, well, you can just find another earthbending teacher. And Aang replies, he's like, I'm not, it's not just about, he's, it's not him being my, it's about him being my teacher. It's about finding a friend, which I think is correct on Aang's part, honestly. Or like, that's the fit, like, I can see why he's thinking in that, in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you there. Uh, it does make uh, a good bit of sense from Katara and Sokka's perspective. Here we have Sokka say, like, we don't even know if Boomy's still. And then uh, he, like, sort of yeah, yeah. says around. Uh, but, like, I think this is fair. Like, the Fire Nation, if they were at all competent, probably would have just off Boomy. They should have. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. They just trap him. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess we could get to that. But <laughs> that's a very good point. Why did the Fire Nation not off Boomy? You have this, like, ins- insanely powerful king that actually, like, to the viewer, Boomy does not command the respect that he actually does in the show. Because I'm watching, I'm like, oh, he's just this goofy moron. But then when you see in the show, they're like, oh, this clever, crafty king, I think they describe him later on in the episode. So Boomy commands a lot of respect. I don't know why they wouldn't just snuff him right there, but. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Expected value is that Aang goes into the city, realizes the Boomy's dead, and is like, okay, well, that sucks and leaves. So, yes. you yeah. know, Sock and Katara make a lot of sense. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a fun TV show and not like a sad True, movie. true, if true. If this was truly late night vibes, then uh, Boomy would be gone. <laughs> Boomy would not be here. No, you're 100%. If this was the version of Avatar where Azula's just like disintegrating her captain, then maybe Boomy would be dead. We'll see. Yeah, and maybe we get an actual zombie outbreak as opposed to just the references to him. That would uh, <laughs> true. So we should get, we should get to that actually. So Walking they, Dead. They find a secret passage within the sewers, and they show you a shot of like Ang bending a bunch of air between them, so they don't or and but and bending a bunch of air between them and like the sewer muck. And then could you see them hop out of the sewer? Katara's like, that's not as bad as I thought. But then you see Sokka coming out of the sewer. My gosh, how would you describe it? He looks like a swamp monster, and he's like covered in these penta purple pentapus is the term for this creature but do you have any more descriptors yeah. to talk about here jacob yeah uh Sokka ends up looking like the swamp monster that we'll see next episode just like totally green uh covered head to toe and that's got to be rough you know usually being the non-bender of the group Sokka gets the short end of the stick but here it is way worse Sokka gets covered in this disgusting sludge uh from the underground of the city and yeah, uh, even with the quick work of the water bending and uh, air bending to dry him off and get all the sludge off, he's still not very good uh, because, as you mentioned, Zach, he has these purple pintopus all over his face. 
But luckily it's going to work out because right they run into some guards and he tells the guard he has pentapox because he's covered in like it kind of looks like he has chicken pox. He's covered in these red splotches. And the guard says, hey, hey, I, th- I think I've heard of that disease. My cousin Trang has died of it. <laughs> like, I don't know how he, he thinks he's heard of this fictional disease, but apparently there must be some other pox going around because we see the, the governor later on in the episode also say, hmm, I too have heard of this disease <laughs> even yeah. though Sokka just made it up so some quick thinking from Sokka here yeah it's it's one of those like Mandela effect type things where yes, like as soon as you hear it they're like oh yeah I've definitely heard of that <laughs> but like it's totally made up and just uh like a figment of their imagination I do think it's good uh one of the guards says that they need to go wash their hands and burn their clothes I'm glad, you know, and uh, we've been in a pandemic for a while now, like good pandemic behavior to wash. True, they're, tr- they're treating that virus more seriously than the average citizen did COVID, sadly. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, like, uh, I did not burn any clothes during the pandemic. So I think I'm actually slacking behind the fire nation. Really, so. I burned every single thing in my wardrobe. This hoodie you oh. see me wearing on camera is the only thing I own, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, I, Zach, I, just, uh, I mean, a hoodie and nothing else. No, I've got. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're getting really late night vibes. That's true, true. Oh, man. Uh, I'm don't worry, Zach. Myself as some like weird sexual deviant. It was a joke, everybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we've got off the rails already. Uh, uh, true, true, true. By next week, Zach, I'll join you. I'll burn all of my clothes. Oh, just perfect, perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, I got to do. We uh, that's what you got to do in a pandemic, right? Burn everything you own. So, yeah, since I got us far off topic, I'll get us back on topic. So the next scene, we um, we cut to Azula. She's getting advice from Lo and Lee, her like main advisors. They're basically telling her she needs to stop traveling with the royal army, and Azula agrees. She says she needs a small covert group to track the avatar and this will lead into what we'll see later with Tylee and May. Anything you want to stop down and talk about on this scene, Jacob? Pretty short, yeah, really, so, scene, honestly. So I know this is just like a plot device, right? Like, they mm-hmm. want to introduce uh, May and Tylee. Mm-hmm. And they need some justification yeah. in order to have them, uh, like, come on. Which is like, that's totally fair. But I actually think this is a terrible take. Like, Azula should have kept the royal procession. They're not dead weight. Like, have these people dress up as Secret Sur- Service agents, like, have them steal some Earthbender clothes, infiltrate the city as regular people, like, have the whole walkie-talkie, like, things set up or whatever it takes. And, like, I think that you can have a way to use the royal procession to help you out. You're right, but then I, I can, at the same time, I can see why they would. She wants to shed the royal procession because it's too obvious. Like Aang and Sokka and Katara are too smart. They've been being, they've been tracked for like what months on end now, so they can tell when a large procession of firebenders is following them. Whereas Azula is able to like essentially sneak up on them with Ty Lee and May. And plus, Ty Lee is at least worth like ten of the average soldier <laughs> grunt on. So like, okay, you know, I mean, just fair. her in my opinion, at least. But yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, Zach, if you do have friends as skilled as May and Tylee, then you don't need a royal person. Yeah, exactly. If, yeah, no, if, if she had like two grunts with her and that was it and just her, then I don't know, you might as well have the whole procession anyways. But with May's knife throwing and Tylee's like instant paralysis, martial arts style, I, th- I, th- I think it's fine. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, the next thing that we jump to is Katara saying, like, hey, let's get Boomy and get out of here. Sokka asks the question, where would they keep him? And Aang says, somewhere where he can't earthbend. 
is Saga not smart enough to figure that out? Like, that seems like the easiest thing. Uh, he knows that the Fire Nation keeps earthbenders when they go to prison in some sort of metal contraption. Like, Saka couldn't do this, uh, like, easy put two and two together. Saka, uh, yeah, here, here, I'll, I'll stump for Saka a little. All right, it's, it's mostly me playing devil's advocate because honestly, Jake is completely right. But <laughs> for the sake, for the sake of this podcast, not to because I'll stump for him a little bit. I think Saka for him. Maybe the, he's an abstract thinker, you know, he's not the one who's going to come mm. to the obvious conclusion. So, but you need his outside the box thinking when you got like the, when you got a war going on, you need somebody to come up with. Sokka's not going to come to the obvious conclusion, but he'll come right. to these non-obvious conclusions when it comes time for war and stuff. All right. Uh, you know what? I, I can accept that. <laughs> I don't like it, but I'll accept it. Yeah, no, because you're right. How the hell did he not come up? To, in all seriousness, how did he not come to this conclusion? Yeah. Why even ask this question? Because it's so obvious. But hey, Sokka's smart sometimes, dumb other times. So what can oh, you do? Well. That's why we love him. Yep. Uh, just as he asked that question, we see the scene switch to a young woman in a long dress with long black hair and absolutely no emotion on her face. This is the amazing May. <laughs> what an introduction. What an introduction. <laughs> I love May. May is really? like so cool. Uh, May is what I aspire to be. Someone who has no emotions like 90% of the time, but then when she feels is like, uh, like actually cares for people. That's my goal. I, honestly, I've just never met such an ardent fan of May prior to talking to you, Jacob. Most of the people, because I know a lot of people who watch Avatar, most of the people are either indifferent to May, and that's pretty much it. And could, I've never met somebody with such a strong passion for May as a character. So I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad to have that opinion relative to mine. Because every time May's on screen, I'm like, eh. Even Ty Lee, everybody loves Ty Lee. And like, I've always been enamored with Ty Lee's fighting style, which we'll get to in the final scene of the episode. But even Ty Lee and May as characters, I don't know. Of, of the three of them, I'm Team Azula all day. She's my favorite by far. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. You're comparing uh, May to one of the best uh, TV true, villains. True, true, uh, true, true. I don't mean to cuss, but it's, it's a basic bitch um, <laughs> of mentality of mine. I'm just choosing the most, the easiest character to stand yeah. of the three. So, no, I, 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 respect, I respect you for, for enjoying May as a character. For me, I don't know, every time she pops on, she's just so dry, so boring. It's her character, but I don't know. I, I like how, I like the, I like seeing the gang be up, beating, cracking funny jokes and stuff. May's just too depressing every time. She no, does. she has some funny jokes. You know, no, what? she does. I'll, she does. I'll, uh, I'll mention them as they she, keep she has, she, has them. she even has some in this episode. You are correct. But most yeah, of the time, yeah. <laughs> most of the time she comes on screen, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm so indifferent to May, honestly. I See, I, I like the type of people. I like the type of people who are just like bored out of their mind. Like May's over it. She doesn't want to be here, especially in this scene. Like yes. her mom's like, oh, your your father was appointed governor. Like we're royalty. And she just doesn't care. She doesn't want to be there at all. She's just looking for something exciting. And I think she has a moment in season three where she betrays Azula that shows you how much she cares about some people. Spoiler alert in case you haven't seen it, uh, but you probably should have. Anyway, <laughs> that moment is so good. And like just May being May is is something I'm here for. So. You know what? You're you're spitting facts right now. And I actually wanna I wanna talk about that point you just stated. How uh, May is so bored in this she so her father has been appointed the governor of Omashu, and they're living like uh, well, like kings essentially. They're living quite lavishly, but May doesn't mm-hmm. like the stereotypical royalty lifestyle. And unlike Ty Lee later on in that, I'm skipping ahead of I'm skipping ahead a bit, but May actually willingly wants to join Azula and 
like go along with it. Whereas Azula is ripping Ty Lee from a life she loves. On the other hand, May, at least at this moment in time in early season two, is definitely Team Azula. She's she's like, yeah, something to get me out of this like basic boring life. So I, I, I you're, that's a good point to bring up with me. Yeah, it's a, it's actually really funny. So in the next scene, uh, there's like um, a big rock waiting at the top of the mail delivery chute. And some of the people of the resistance were like, okay, the targets are coming. Like, take them out. Like, let's fight. Uh, Aang then, like, hits back the rock, um, trying to, like, stop anyone from getting hit. And May, like, finally looks happy. Like, May has no emotion. But then she's like, oh, someone wants to attack. She cracks that little smile and she goes right into it. Uh, this is what I was here for. Yeah, and May lives for these battles and stuff because May wants anything as long as it's not her boring, like living like a princess life. She wants to fight. She loves any excuse to throw those throwing knives May can get. She's going to throw them. So <laughs> yeah. you are 100% correct about that. Yeah. So May leaps into action here. She uh, starts running towards Aang, throwing these small little like throwing spear, uh, tiny arrows at him. Aang's able to avoid them. Nimble as he is uh, but she keeps coming she's like running after him ready to go uh, then a few other Fire Nation people roll up and Katara and Sokka and Momo are running away as the other guards are climbing the ladders and I just I love this May fighting style like the small little invisible uh, like attacks I, I I agree with you, but I think May's fighting style is held back by the PG nature of the show. And I say that because just like how whenever she throws the knives, and I think we've actually talked about this on the podcast before, maybe one of the season one episodes, whenever she throws the knives, you know she's not going to like hit anyone in any vital point. Like the best she can do because it's a PG show is like kept like throw the knife around their clothes and like catch a piece of fabric essentially. That, that yeah. that's always been my issue with her fighting style it's like if this was a pg-13 show may would be a very formidable opponent like oh my she can aim precisely with these throwing knives like that's a very like a great power to have honestly but in the scope of avatars that's why whenever may fights it just feels so inconsequential to me because i know no one's ever going to be hit with these knives ever and sadly i'm never i don't think actually like she ever like does anything really truly crazy with these knives it's disappointing honestly because i felt like her fighting style had so much potential and that's one thing the show doesn't really utilize yeah uh that's fair like she's obviously not gonna like poke anyone's eye out with these small yes, arrows yes. like she's not gonna be you know landing some deadly blow here but the uh, fight scenes with the style are so cool at the same time like every time may is in a fight it's like oh the stakes are higher because like oh she's throwing knives all over the place and I, I i always think all the fights between team avatar and azula kylie and may those are some of the best fights in season two i think yeah, I, I agree. I think like, you know, May's obviously not going to like take anyone's eye out or like poke someone in the arm. But I do think that it helps have uh, the fight have really natural flow because yes. it's able to go from her character throwing the arrows and then into the other character. So it like leads to the natural transition um, as opposed to like these smash cuts between fights. No, so you're right. And, and it, right that part. That that is true, and I feel like a lot of the May fight scenes do have these like cinema. Especially, it's always like Ang. Even in this scene right here, Ang like nimbly avoiding the throwing spears. I thought this this I don't think we'll rate it as a fight, but I did enjoy this because actually, what ends up happening, Ang inadvertently saves May and the governor. Actually, I think had he known they were Fire Nation, maybe he should have just let them bolt. Not that Ang would; he's a pacifist, but maybe he should have honestly just let the boulders hit him. Yeah, uh, Aang does make a little mistake here by mm -hmm. saving him so quickly, at least cause him a scare because they are able to start flying um, or climbing up next to him. Uh, like Mei's charging at Katara. 
she throws these like small arrows and Katara raises a shield of water, turns it into ice and protects herself just in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they chase each other around a lot of chasing here. Uh, a lot of just like, <laughs> you know, causing uh, the scaffolding to fall. Aang like sweeps the scaffolding and causes it to fall on May. Uh, and then right as that happens, I believe uh, that is when they go underground. So Aang, Katara, Sokka and Momo are swallowed up by the ground a nice little trap door that could not have been seen swallows them away. Does this episode have the most chase scenes of any episode we talked about? Do you think? Uh, it's getting close, yeah. Because the most minutes of chase on screen, I'll say, because this episode ends with like what a six, seven minute chase sequence in a twenty-two minute episode. Like it was, it's a, it was long. I'm pretty sure. Plus, if we count the two minutes of May chasing Aang here, that's a lot of chase. Yeah, you're definitely uh, a lot of chase for sure because, yeah, you have the, like, two minutes here. You've got the six minutes at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't mind. You know, we're getting to see May uh, give her best impersonation of Sheik from Legend of Zelda. True. Uh, Sheik was my main in Melee fun little fun. Oh, really? Yeah, I like Sheik. I mean, I'm, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I was never that good at Smash, but Sheik, Sheik was my girl, I guess, girl, guy. Yeah. Not yeah. I'm not 100% sure she, about that, but she, she sends those small little arrows to where, uh, if you're not prepared for them, you don't know what's hitting you, and it's very frustrating. I feel yeah, like that's no, the, the neutral B powerful move. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> Sorry to get too into the weeds about Smash, but yeah, no, no, I, I, I do, I do like her fighting style. I just think just the PG nature of the show just kind of, if they ever did like, a, I mean, they are going to do a live action mature thing, but it's going to be garbage, if I'm being honest. But if they ever did a true to form live action rendition, I'd, I'd be interested to see what they do with her fighting style. Yeah, that makes sense. I also love that as soon as the uh, gang goes underground, May just like looks around disappointed and lets out a deep sigh. <laughs> uh, I have one yeah, chance. And, 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 and you are right. That's May's charm that she's whenever she's on screen, she's just so done with it. She's just so done with everything happening around her. Yeah, and I think that's so funny to have like a magical world where people are bending, like really cool universe, like different types of animals, and May just is not there for it. Like she just does not care. Um, yeah, no, I, I think you're you're turning me as a May fan. As as we go on in season two, maybe I maybe I'll come around. I'll keep an eye on her a little more. Maybe so. you will. <laughs> May, maybe. <laughs> nice, nice little pun there, Jacob. Look at you. <laughs> Uh, that friend, uh, zero out of four cabbages. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll move on to the next scene because they correct me if I'm wrong. It's a, it's Azula and Tyler. So it's Azula. Yes. Tyler. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So what happens is Azula goes back to the circus to recruit her old friend Ty Lee, who's joined the circus. And Ty Lee's hesitant, like I was t- talking at the top of the show, because she's enjoying. Ty Lee likes her life at the circus. She says it's her calling. And Azula has a key line here that I want to point out. I wrote it down because she says, "Well." A wouldn't want you to give up the life you live just to please me. And as a big Azula fan, I try and I kind of want to track these like things she says because Azula is lying here. She does want Tylee to give up her pleasant life and just to please her. Am I am I wrong here? This is a straight no, up lie. You're totally right. This is the Azula mist in action. Yeah. Uh, you can't just tell her like give up your life and go with me because Tylee would not be there for it. Uh, instead, you have to trick Tylee, incept her, make her think it's her idea to come with you, and then she'll be loyal. Uh, I love how this scene starts. Uh, just go back for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it starts, like upside down, 
Uh, and at first, like I was, I'm always so confused when it comes on the screen. I'm like, wait, what's happening? I'm like, oh yeah, Ty Lee's just upside down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so and like that's a really, yeah, Avatar has a lot of cool shots like that. I feel like even when I see shots like this in live action movies, I think it's really cool. But Avatar just does an excellent job with these like transition shots. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, but here you're totally right. Uh, Azula's like, Oh, I'd be so honored if you were to join me. And Tylee's like, No, I'm so happy. Uh, my aura's never been pinker. And Azula's like, Okay, like, don't do everything to please me. Uh, total lie here. And I think Azula knows that she has a plan to get Tylee on her side. But, but honestly, and later on in the episode with the circus stuff, I think Tylee is wise to what Azula's doing. She just knows that sadly, if, if Tylee says no, Azula will just like burn the circus to a down, I think, honestly. And I think Tylee is wary of that too. Because I, I think that's because what does she say at the end? She's like, Well, most, the circus was my calling, but Azula called a little louder. And I feel like that line, like that shows Tylee is aware of what Azula is doing, but she also doesn't want to incur Azula's wrath, is what at least that was my. Um, understanding of the whole situation See, i i read her as just being oblivious and she just like is so unaware that azula was like manipulating the whole time and not just like uh like yeah i, I don't know maybe we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see we'll see and fans can write in what they thought too because i'm, I'm yeah curious. Uh, one question i have for you zach uh, mm-hmm. uh what color is your aura uh i think it's like something chill i, I mean we talked about this jokingly on another episode i think but blue was always what i go with usually because yeah. i feel like red implies like an aggressive intense aura right i would need somebody who understands all the auras to explain it to me further but from what i understand it's like red there's some i, I would have like a lighter more chill aura. i think in my day-to-day life i'm pretty like down to earth monotonous maybe maybe not necessarily as wooden as may but i'm kind of like may light in my day-to-day life so something like chill yeah. what about yourself what do you think yeah i think i'm probably uh like uh probably a red it would be my guess uh Mm -hmm. like i i do think i come off as like pretty aggressive most times in my day-to-day life uh like i'm a very intense person Mm -hmm. uh yeah i I was trying to think so ty lee here says like my aura has never been pinker where's the pinkest that your aura ever is (sighs) if pink implies like true happiness that it's never been truly pink i don't know not not to make this like super no but like i don't know i'm still i'm still let me say this i'm still finding my way through life in a way so i don't think i'm ever truly whereas uh, ty lee seems to be in a job that she 100 percent loves and she seems to be having a good life so i don't know when when has my aura been the pinkest Mm, probably when i don't know maybe when i got my first acting gig i guess that was when it was pink i don't know what about yourself jacob when has your aura been its pinkest I was going to say uh, right after the Cubs win a game and I'm in <laughs> that's oh, when that's my word is really pink. That's so, uh, that, that was my answer. But you're every in- time my favorite basketball player, Nikola Jokic, makes a nice pass, that's when my aura is at its pinkest. So Dang, I, I like it's, that. it's pink all the time. That man drops dimes. True. I mean, he's averaging a triple-double, man. He's a beat. The only person who could give him run for his money is Ang if he existed in real life. Probably be <laughs> dropping quadruple-doubles. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, so then we, we wrap up that scene. Uh, we do get a nice little platypus bear that's just chilling. Not not much to <laughs> here, but I just want to point out that platypus bear is having a great time laying its egg. Platypus bears, that's one of my favorite animals in this series. Like, if, if I had an animal companion in Avatar, I kind of would want it to be, besides Appa and the Sky Bison, I would want a platypus bear as like a homie. I don't know. They're just wow. they seem like cool animals. Yeah, I mean, I agree. They, they can protect you quite well. You can ride on its back. Uh, yeah, probably- exactly. 
swim in water like uh, yeah. yeah exactly because bears in real life even i've always i like bears i think bears are cool animals but i don't i think they're too vicious and savage to ever befriend even though there's always those videos of like russian families like taming bears and like trading oh, that's them. so scary I, it is scary i agree yeah, I would not do that. Um, anyway, so on to the next scene uh, that lacks bears. Uh, we have the leader of the resistance uh, telling Aang about what happened to Amashu. Aang is like, oh, so King Bumi must be here. He's probably leading the resistance. And here the leader of the resistance says, no, on the day of the invasion, King Bumi surrendered before we even had a chance to fight. Uh, this does seem like true to form. This seems like something yes, King Bumi yes. would do, yes. uh, but a terrible idea. It does not make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I, th- I think if Bumi is going to do this, he has to like clue the soldiers in because they're mm-hmm. still fighting and they're still dying senseless deaths. I think Bumi's logic was, okay, if I surrender now, then less people will be dying. The Fire Nation is going to win regardless. If I surrender now, at least less people will pass away. So I can understand his logic, but you have to convey that to your soldiers because this head of the, this head of the resistance is angry with Bumi. You could tell in this scene, he's unhappy with Bumi's decision to like, like to not fight at all. And I think Bumi's flaw here is not surrendering, but it's not conveying that to the resistance. I think the rest of the people there, what about you, Jacob? Yeah. Do you have any issues with the plan? Uh, I mean, it definitely doesn't help that in the flashback, uh, King Bumi's like, I'm going to do nothing. And then just starts <laughs> laughing a ton. Like that's not, that's not the best way to communicate. You know, being a King, I'm sure there are a few things you have to do. Like you have to have the strategic vision. You have to, you know, make sure everyone's taken care of, but then you also have to communicate with your top leaders. Cause he really does hang the leader of the resistance out to dry. Um, in terms of the conversation that happens here, I actually want to stop down on this and mm-hmm. analyze it a bit. I think this really highlights the difference between an earthbender and an airbender. Uh, here we have the leader of the resistance saying that we have to fight the Fire Nation. Fighting the Fire Nation is the only path to freedom, and freedom is worth dying for. And Aang is like, no, 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 please don't. Uh, don't die. Just leave Omashu. Like, you don't have to fight. You can just uh, dip out and retreat. I think this really highlights the difference between an earthbender who's stuck in the ground and an airbender who's like seeing the other path out. Yeah, no, that's a that's a very astute observation on your part. Another thing that I thought this scene highlighted is how much Aang has matured as a leader. I think it's season one, whenever Aang was reasoning with any like city official or anything like that, he did not do the best job. But here he's able to reason with this leader of the resistance who, while he is willing to die for his freedom, as we'll see right right now, some once Aang speaks up, some of his other soldiers will, yeah, maybe we don't have to die. Maybe we should get out of here. So it's seems like the leader of the resistance, he's willing to die for his freedom. But some of these other Earth Nation soldiers are like, yeah, we don't want to die in this meaningless war, which which is completely fair. So I think Aang, not only is he able to reason with this Earth Nation resistance leader, he's able to actually get him to see his opinion, which is not something we really saw from season one Aang. So I I, I thought Aang in this scene was very mature and actually did a good job leading. Yeah, I agree with you. I think earlier Aang would just be really upset and maybe yell and say you're wrong. Here, Aang's a lot more persuasive. It's funny because the resistance leader is like, no, we have to take our home at any cost. And the randos are like, I don't know. I kind of want to live. Like, living is cool, right? Exactly. Yeah, they're like, yeah, I kind of don't want to die. You know, 
they're like, uh, yeah, our home is cool, but so is my life. And uh, it's pretty convincing. Uh, pretty much immediately, the uh, resistance leader is like, fine, uh, that's okay. We can like leave, but how are we going to get everyone out? And that's awesome. Yes. Oh, I was just about to say, Sokka, while he couldn't figure out what Boom, where Boomy was in the prison, he's able to devise this plan to get the remaining Earth civilians out, have them come down with a bad case of the Pentapox. Brilliant plan, honestly. This is a very good plan, yeah. I think. And it works to perfection. You know, uh, the fear's already been stoked in some yes. of those Fire Nation guards. They're already scared. Sokka is here uh, with a good plan in order to spread this false pandemic. Uh, people a little bit worried. Uh, yeah, I thought this is a good plan. Like, I, I actually don't see how this goes poorly. Even if one of the guards is like, I've never heard of Pentapox. You're like, well, it's a local Earth Kingdom uh, like disease. Yes. And then, yes. like, they have to buy it. So I think that it's pretty persuasive. No, I agree. <laughs> There's a lot of funny little things in this scene. So at one, one point, so, uh, Fire Nation soldiers are like, they have the plague, plague. And he just like, his delivery of that line is him running away. Because the, the soldiers are not pretty, it's, it's like a zombie apocalypse with Sokka leading the charge. Because Sokka's still got his red splotches from earlier. He's telling the Earth civilians to play it up, play it up. Make sure you look the sickest you can. And I thought this is a, like, just, I t- just like I talked about how Aang is matured. So Sokka's able to just lead this whole resistance into this like this pentapog zombie mob and he's at the forefront putting his plan to action i like Sokka a lot in this scene yeah so like Sokka and the rest of the earth kingdom uh like all run up they walk just like zombies would in any of those like uh old movies where like the zombies are really slow moving uh they're kind of like uh and i think that this is like a great plan uh you're totally right zach that uh that Sokka really does step up here and like execute this plan quite well um, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, what happens at, oh, th- this is actually a May, funny May moment because <laughs> her dad's like seeing all this happen. And then this is where her dad, the governor, is like, oh, I have heard of Pentapox. And then she's, he's like, so what do we do? And then she just offers, she's like, Fireflakes, dad, in the most like dry stone. And I will admit that did make me chuckle a little bit. So. Especially because if you think back to season one, when Sokka tried fire flakes, his mouth was like on fire. And she's like one of those people who eat spicy food and she's like not hot. She's not a bender. So she doesn't have like the natural resistance to heat that some fire benders may have. So I guess while May may be a little dry in real life, she likes the spice because she just munching on those fire flakes like they're a generic name brand chip. That's true. Uh, Are you a big fan of spicy food, Zach? Um... I'm okay. Like, I think I, we talked about this too on the hot ones. I would probably fail on the bomb. If anyone's familiar with okay. hot ones, that's yeah, where yeah. I, like, I, I can, I like spicy food, but I don't like it so hot where it doesn't taste like anything. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, you know, I don't mind if spicy food tastes like nothing. I kind of like to feel the pain, especially like when I'm feeling sick. I like to just like clear it all out. With yeah, some. that's smart. And peppers are actually good for clearing your sinuses. Yeah. Oh, and then did you notice this is where Mai's brother, like right after the Pentapox thing, there's a, a small shot of May's brother starting to walk away. It's yeah, yeah. We, right here. We notice this little kid toddling away. Little do we know that this is about to be the main crux of the episode. Yes. As boring as a plot point could be. <laughs> True. Well, well, we'll come back to that in a brief moment. So we cut yeah. back to Aang and Aang finds Flopsy. If you anybody remembers Flop. What is Flopsy exactly? Do they ever say what species Flopsy is? He's basically just this gargantuan behemoth of an animal that Boomy has yeah. domesticated. <laughs> I'm trying to think what Flopsy has. So definitely some goat 
uh, in it because there's like uh, the big goat horns. Uh, Almost looks like a, like a bigger chupacabra in a way from Mexican yeah. lore. Like in the, in terms of his like grotesque face, I don't know. I don't know what Flopsy is. Yeah. There's like a little bit of rabbit, almost a little bit of gorilla with how built Flopsy is uh, and how like strong. Yes, he is. yes, I would agree with that. So, um, yeah, we see uh, we see like Aang going through the streets. And I actually wanted to uh, like stop for just a second. As Aang is like flying through all the streets, we see that the only thing that you have to do when you take over a city is just change the roofs. Like, have you noticed that in the background there was like a bunch of construction? There are like cranes and stuff. And like there were some roofs that were red and some roofs that were green because like some had been taken over by the Fire Nation and some were like still OG Omashu. No, I did not notice that. But why were they replacing the roofs? Couldn't they just paint them? Uh, yeah, maybe they could just paint them. No, I mean, uh, this is this is not the most uh, riveting conversation to stop down on. But I'm just I'm just kind of curious about that. I just, I, just I, I didn't notice this. I didn't notice this. That is uh, crazy to make it so easy to conquer. Just like all you have to do is change the roof color, and it's like cool. We conquered it. It's ours. <laughs> true, true. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to even kill anybody. You just run out the town, paint the roofs, and that's it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, anyway, so uh, we see Ang free Flopsy. Um, Aang decides that he's uh, going to try to fly on Flopsy, uttering that classic yip yip, and Floppy, Flopsy does not move a muscle. Flopsy does not flinch at all. <laughs> yip yip's not a code word or anything like that, uh, and instead goes with a classic let's go. Yeah, and then so him and Flopsy run off into the city, and meanwhile, Momo gets into the most intense battle of the episode, I would say, because Momo's involved the scu- in a scuffle with Mai's younger toddler brother, uh, and this is the first time I thought in Avatar, why is this scene even being included, <laughs> honestly? because The reason I say this is because you can have this plot happen. You can have Tom Tom, which is this child's name. You can have Tom Tom escape and just you don't have to have this like chase to him sliding out because it reminded me of all these, um, you know, those that, that trope in the move in, uh, in the 90s where they had all these movies where like the, it's like three men and a baby where like the baby's just wandering off in the city and like the yeah. baby gets into a bunch of zany hijinks. I feel like it was like a 90s trend of like multiple movies that followed this and i felt like that's what they're doing with tom tom here because tom tom ends up like rolling with momo and then momo ends up saving him of a, of a bunch of little zany hijinks that go on but i don't know i was not too invested in anything going on in here if i was be- if i'm being honest yeah here we have uh you know we thought we only had two chase scenes here we actually no, we have multiple <laughs> yeah um, we do have a third here uh, you're right with momo and tom tom so what happens is momo is really hungry uh very classic momo and sees a bunch of berries uh so goes in and starts eating a bunch of berries and then as soon as he does then this uh kid starts noticing him uh and follows momo what we get is we get like uh yeah this a sort of chase scene where Momo's trying to get away from Tom Tom and Tom Tom just thinks it's like a toy essentially, mm-hmm. um, and yeah it is actually the one part that I did like was that they mm-hmm. used the mail delivery system again pretty cleverly yeah Tom Tom's like sliding in it and then Momo does I'll give them credit because like. I, I could see Momo like picking up Tom Tom and saving it. It's cool how like Momo initially goes from like scuffling with Tom Tom to like actually trying to help him and save him. And Momo does eventually actually help Tom Tom land safely. So look at Momo. So inspirational. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty lucky that uh, Tom Tom ends up in the shoot full of berries because if not, then I don't think Momo lands on them, and I think Tom Tom's a goner. True, uh, true, true. I mean, to Momo literally saves Tom Tom's life here. No joke. Like Tom Tom probably dies in that delivery shoot. Yeah, imagine how mad the uh, Fire Nation would be if they thought that they killed off Tom Tom. True. Yeah, and, and what what incompetence by the Fire Nation governor to just let his child wander off like this? It's not like the Earth Nation captures him. It's, he just literally just doesn't keep track of his child, and his child just ends up in the hands of the Earth Nation. Earth Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you can picture this, right? You know, May was put in charge of babysitting. May got bored. <laughs> May went somewhere oh. else. Like, she knows it's on her, and what is she going to do? Like, no, she, she doesn't yeah, care. Obviously. I yeah, mean, obviously. May is willing to... I'm, I'm skipping ahead. May is, like, willing to give up to <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even love her younger brother. We'll get to that, but that that end of the episode kind of shocked me. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but I, I have some thoughts, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know. So we see we see Tom Tom join the rest of the Earth Kingdom nation as they walk out of the city of Omashu, and uh, I guess no one notices Tom Tom, and Tom Tom is fast because I assume everyone else is like walking at normal speed. And Tom Tom's like keeping up with them. So I mean, he seems thing. like a pretty energetic child, considering he goes yeah. on his whole adventure with Momo. So yeah, I guess Tom Tom just is a fast walker. And then we cut back to it's Azula and Ty Lee once again, and we didn't really give Ty Lee the best introduction. So I'll stop down here. Ty Lee, what she is, she's this super flexible member of the Fire Nation. She's also like she's not Fire Nation royalty, but she's from a rich Fire Nation family. I think later on they talk about how she has like six. She's the sixth of six sisters or something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly. It's fine, but basically, she joins the circus from the Fire Nation to carve out an identity for herself, like away from the Fire Nation and do her own thing, which is pretty commendable, honestly. Like, it kind of sucks for Tylee. She's just doing her own thing, living out her life and her passions. And Azula has to just come in and drag her along to this avatar chase. Like, sucks for Tylee, really, because she's she, Tylee is relative to me, is very like happy, go lud, go lucky, energetic, and bubbly. She almost is in a weird way. Like, there's a lot of parallels between Tylee and Aang, I would say. She's almost aloof in that regard, just like he is, I would say. Uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I think Tylee is like the closest that we see to Aang. Uh, mm-hmm. Tylee is like even happier, even less bogged down. Like, we see Aang a lot of times is like. Uh, you know, weighed down by the responsibility yes, he has yes, to defeat yes. the Fire Nation. Ty Lee would never do that. Ty Lee has such an optimistic outlook. She really is just the happiest person. Uh, I think, yeah, I think for some reason, like, Ty Lee just doesn't uh, see evil in anyone. And I feel like in order to be friends with Azula, you either have to be completely oblivious and not see that people are bad or apathetic like May and not care that your friend is evil. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't want to say, and, and I, I just I feel bad for like because this scene. I will talk about it right now, actually, because so Ty Lee's just doing her circus act. She's doing her thing on high on like a tight rope, and Azula's watching, and Azula's getting this like royal treatment. And then she asks, she asks the like ringleader of the circus, "Do you think she'll fall? Do you think it'll make it more interesting if she fell? Well, or what about setting the net on fire?" And like, why are you putting on? This is your friend, like, oh, or supposed friend. You're put like, so basically, she forces the ringleader to remove the net. Or initially, she doesn't remove the net, and then she's like, actually, just set it on fire. And actually, why not release all the circus animals? <laughs> like, I, I understand you want Ty Lee to join, and you're trying to like push that point home, but this is a little much for somebody who you want to be your ally. 
Yeah, you know, not only does she set the net on fire, but release all the animals. And uh, we see the circus. We go to an outside view of the circus as just animal noises go off and uh, like fire looks like it's setting off. So Ty Lee, you know, I trust her as an acrobatic. I think she will do just a fine job of uh, dealing with all these things. Like she's not going to be in any danger, but it is a bit rude to uh, do that, especially to a friend. No, a hundred percent. And I, I, but I think this is just Azula drilling the point, like drilling home the point, like join me or I raise this place. I burn it. Yeah. To the ground. I want to <laughs> yeah. Well, then the next thing we see is Aang who did not raise the whole city to the ground. Instead, he comes back with Flopsy in tow saying that he couldn't find Boomy. Uh, then the leader of the resistance says, we just did a head count. Uh, and instead of having too few people, they actually have an extra person. We see Tom Tom just chilling around, um, hanging out. He's like, he's like riding, like dragging on Momo's tail or something. Like, I feel like he's got a hold of Momo here when they cut back to him. Poor Momo can't just get this child off. He saves this child's life and it's still just like abusing him sadly. Yeah. You know, a trait for like Boomy for a baby is probably not that bad. Cause if you like, sure, the baby's not that useful, uh, now at least. And Boomy is like a master earthbender, but expected value of lifetime on Boomy is like, I don't know, six months. Like that dude is so old. Yeah, but nobody knows when he, I mean, people in, people in the Avatar of the Ceremony universe can live a long time because he's a hundred, but he's still like, he's not senile. I mean, he may seem senile, but he's brain, pretty senile. I mean, his brain's working enough to like actually <laughs> like have plans for war. He will eventually lead this escape. So That's his brain's still working. I mean, his body looks like he's, I mean, his bit looks better than my, his body looks like he's 20. The only question is how long his brain's, brain's going to work. Like, Boomy might go full Alzheimer's and dementia but i think in terms of like his athletic ability i think he he's he's gonna be kicking for a long time yeah you make a good point you know 110 still kicking it still able because kiyoshi lives to 200 i think they talk about that in this show like she lives a long time even they talk yeah they mention it in avatar the last airbender not even just Korra, but so there there are people in the avatar the last airbender universe that can just live for centuries all right, all right. Maybe, uh, maybe it's not a good trade. You know, I was trying to make, I was trying to make. The best of <laughs> oh, my, my bad. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> the next thing we see is we cut back to the governor's house. The governor is really upset. His wife is even more so upset, crying. Uh, as May just does not care. She is kind enough to give a handkerchief to her mom, so that's kind. Uh, <laughs> but she's pretty bored by this as well. Uh, the governor surmises that the resistance kidnapped his son. Uh, and they're so tricky, just like Boomy. Yeah, and that's that's where he delivers this line. And it's like it's kind of crazy that how much because respect Boomy commands across the nation. Like I don't even know how. I I wish I, he kind of got a backstory episode because how did Boomy end up even become king? Like, like I, I feel like there's no one. They, they never really like talk about it. Really, I wonder how Boomy's rise to power went. It has to be hereditary, or else like someone would have been like, no, 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 no. You're not king. You're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> they could have been hereditary. Or was it a power? thing? Thing. Was he just the most powerful earthbender? Who knows? I don't know. You could have put him in like a room by himself with like two stuffed animals and he would have thought he was king. Like you could have <laughs> tricked this man. He would not have known. He would True. not have been able to tell. One person that you can trick is Azula and Azula is talking to Ty Lee after the performance saying, wow, you did such a great job. I can't wait to see how you top yourself tomorrow. Uh, and Azula, uh, you know, is tilting Ty Lee a bit. I think Ty Lee here, like, it's like, oh, uh, you know, I actually uh, can't have a show tomorrow. There's no more show. 
And uh, I think the the universe gave me a strong hint that we should have a career change. Yeah, and I and I think this is Ty Lee. Like she know she's wary of what Azula's doing. I I think may, maybe Ty Lee is just so above it all that she just doesn't see what Azula's doing. But I, I'm giving the character the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, I, you know, I actually think reading, uh, into it a bit more, I understand your perspective. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's like the universe gave me a strong hint, uh, and then says, I'll join you. Yeah. I think maybe I mean, uh, the universe did give her the hint that that hint was Azula, Azula and her crazy performance <laughs> the night prior. That was the, that was the hint. So I, I think Tylee is telling the truth there. So we, we cut back to the, the team avatar and the resistance. So we see the baby Tom, Tom, he starts like chewing on the sword and like, man, this leader of the resistance, like he doesn't do anything wrong in this episode. He's not evil. Like the earthbender we talked about last, was it last week? No, the, the, few, two weeks ago yeah the premier he's not evil like that guy but man he's such a debbie downer he's like well you should because it's katara's like oh wow what a cute baby he's like well you won't think he's so cute when he's grown up then he'll be a killer a fire nation killer and it's like yeah i mean of course sure he's fire nation but yeah the baby hasn't been corrupted by the fire nation yet he's just a baby like you're allowed to call it cute i don't know this guy just bites katara's head off for like commenting on the baby being cute i thought that was kind of dumb yeah, no, I agree. And you know what? The leader of the resistance is wrong. And I'm very happy that I get to point this out because he is incorrect. This baby will not grow up to be a killer because the war will be over by the time the baby grows up. The baby is just going to be a regular person. So you know what? This person got his panties all in a bunch for nothing. He's totally wrong, totally off base. I thought that was like an uncalled for statement. Yeah, I thought it was uncalled for too. I have that in my notes. <laughs> I was yeah. like, it's completely uncalled for from this guy. That's, yeah, that's like, funny you use that word as well. Yeah, like, thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for saying that, I guess. But, like, that's not helpful at all. The baby is pretty annoying, though, like, playing with the club and playing with all yeah, of Sokka's Yeah, he stuff. starts, like, chewing on Sokka's club and Sokka's yeah. unhappy with that. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty yeah. Too. yeah, so then we, we cut back to the or, the, or the governor sends them a note. They want to do a trade for the baby and King Boomy. And I, I, I don't think this is the worst trade ever because you, you do raise a good point. Like if there's a 110 year old man, you don't know how much longer he's going to live for. But I, I, I thought this was a fair trade, contrary to what Azula says. And yeah, speaking you know of, oh, yeah, yeah. Continue. I was going to say, let's break it down. Who won the trade, Zach? Put your definitive stamp on it. Who won this trade between the governor and the earthbenders? Well, I mean, the, the Earthbenders objectively won because they still have Tom Tom by the end of it. But then Ang just goes and delivers Tom Tom, Tom to the family, like in secret, essentially, because they're yeah, going to get away. Ang gets away with Boomy, like he ultimately escapes escapes azula's wrath because azula calls off the trade and this is azula calling an audible that doesn't work out i think because azula doesn't end up with boomy i think boomy just chooses to stay he could have earthbended himself out at any time yeah that is true they could have walked away with boomy and tom tom here uh i think actually the governor totally would have made this trade like he doesn't really care if he has boomy i think he much would prefer just to have his back, which is understandable yeah, yeah. I, I'm totally there for that. And I think the it, governor was right. I think it was the issue was when time when Azula comes and she's like, "Okay, you're you're incompetent. You're a horrible leader. May's running the plan now." I think that was a bad decision in hindsight. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you as well. Uh, Azula does come here and uh, mess it all up. Um, the next thing we see is Azula get to the city, and May's first statement to her is, "Please tell me you're here to kill me," uh, which is kind of like a, a dark big dark joke for a kid's show like i was surprised (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I guess May is so apathetic to it all. She just ready. <laughs> I guess May is very, very nihilistic as well. Honestly, she just yeah. doesn't think her world is going to get any better. So, yeah, but we actually see May be pretty excited. Uh, I think both May and Azula laugh at this joke. They both embrace, uh, you know, like and are excited to be with each other. Yeah, and Azula comes. That- with Ty- she comes to Tylee, and then Tylee says, "Like, yeah, Azula called a little louder than the circus did." <laughs> Again, a pretty funny comment from Tylee there. Yeah, unlike uh, Tylee, who needed tons of persuasion, May is just like, "Yep, I will do whatever you want. Get me out of this place, and I will join your group." Um, I, yeah, I think that this is a, a nice, funny moment with May. Um, the next thing we see is Azula on the throne of this governor's, uh, mansion. The governor is saying, I'm so sorry. Like you've came at a terrible time. We're going to make a trade with the resistance to get my kid back. Uh, and this is the first time that we learned the kid's name is Tom, Tom, yes. you know, so many of these characters have great names. We have like Azula, Zuko, May, Tai Lee, even like Tyro or Haru. Even, even like Jinju. Like Jinju's a cool name for a throwaway character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But Tom Tom, like that's F tier. Uh, that is such a bad name. It's the worst name in the whole series, I think, for any character. It's the stupidest name. If I met somebody named Tom Tom in real life, I'd laugh in their face. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just laugh. Like if your oh, name is Tom Tom, it's embarrassed. We I, just I don't know what to listener. say. I'm so sorry, Tom Tom. Uh, <laughs> If, if there's a listener named Tom Tom, I'm sorry too, but I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, if you remember that website where you can look up how many of a name exist in a yep. web, I bet there's like 10 Tom Toms in America and none are listening to this. I actually think all 10 do. I think this is their re- really. You think this is the official Tom Tom podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like uh, our f- official game is the Brawl Smash Ultimate. <laughs> their official podcast is Ang in there. They got to Ang in there with such a bad name, Zach. Oh, true. <laughs> they do have to egg. They're hanging in there their whole life with that name. Holy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Tom Tom is a horrible name for a child. What can I say? But in to talk about this scene at length, it's more so like, wow, Azula comes here. She's already got the governor bowing to her feet. And I've, I've honestly, in this scene, I felt horrible for this governor because he just gets absolutely embarrassed by Azula. She just gives him just such a tongue lashing. She really dresses him down. And she appoints his daughter, May, to oversee this trade due to his comp- incompetence. And unlike Zuko in like season one, Azula, like every scene we see her in, she just commands the utmost respect from every Fire Nation official. She has like the governor of Omashu just on his knees bowing to her and obeying every one of her commands. I just think that's so insane, especially considering, yeah. again, she's a 14-year-old girl, like Wow. Yeah, for sure. She also decides to rename the city New Ozai and erect a, a statue of her dad. Yeah, that's that's very impressive stuff from Azula. Honestly, the fact that she's able to just come in, rename the city New Ozai. And honestly, you can kind of tell how Azula is with. Um, sorry, one second. Um, how Azula, how her relationship is with Ozai, honestly, like the fact that she, she Ozai is like she is Ozai's favorite child by far compared to Zuko. Easily, easily. Yeah. Uh, not even not even that hard. The next thing we see is a giant statue of Ozai getting built. As the camera comes down, we see the trade starting. Uh, we see Aang, Katara, and Sokka with a baby. Uh, and then we see three people leading the way uh, with Mei rolling up. Then Boomy gets lowered down from a metal cage, and Boomy doesn't seem to care at all. Like, Boomy's just chilling. He's like, oh, hey, everyone. How's everyone doing? He's like a crazy old grandpa showing up to Thanksgiving. 
yeah, boom, boom, he's just, he's happy. And I think Boomy knows, like, he knows the correct time to strike, honestly. Like, I think while he might have not gone about it the best, I think he knew that they were not winning this war for Omashu, so he was picking his battle. So I think ultimately he will be proven right when he eventually does free himself out of this metal coffin at the end of season three. But yeah, for now, Boomy's content to just stay in his little metal coffin cell thing. Yep, uh, that's totally fair. Um, and actually, Boomy's so okay with it that once Azula's like, uh, I don't think this trade's fair. We're trading a two-year-old for an earthbending king. Boomy's like, mm-hmm, yep, not fair. Like, he's like nodding along with him, which is, uh, which is funny. But yeah, so then Azula calls the deal off. Um, and then Boomy's like, okay, see you later. And that's when Aang uh, decides to jump up, get his glider ready, and start to airbend. Aang here like pulls his hat down as if it's going to be the tattoos that give him away. But I think as soon as he airbends, it's like pretty clear that he's the avatar. And how does Azula, how do both Azula and um, Boomy not recognize Aang? Like Azula should know how Aang looks like there's a million wanted posters. And Boomy, you just saw Aang like a couple of months ago. (laughs) I know he's wearing a hat, but how different does Aang look? Like, are there that many earthbending children or earth nation children built like Aang? Like, how is he not? How does he not have such a distinct face that neither of these two could, these two pretty intelligent characters for the most part could not recognize Aang and his only disguise was him wearing a hat. Yeah, uh, I definitely think for Boomy, I think the uh, issue is cataracts. You know, he is 110. (laughs) True, Uh, true. he doesn't have his contacts in the cataracts. He might be blind in one eye, who knows? His contacts probably dried out from being strung up in a metal cage all day. But Azula, yeah, she's got no excuse. You know, Aang's rocking a pretty sweet outfit. He changed his shawl into a hat to hide his tattoos. Um, but it does seem like Azula should be able to tell. It's not until the tattoos are exposed that Azula's like, oh, that's the Avatar, like my lucky day. And uh, yeah, we do hear Boomy, who's like, oh, Aang, is that you? Where did you come from? As if he's like a totally different person. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what ends up happening is Aang knocks off Boomy's cell from the contraption that it's hanging off of. And he slides down one of the Omashu shoots. But Azula stays hot on his tail. And I mean, literally, she stays hot because she's <laughs> blasting blue. F- she, at one point, she like blasts a wheel of fire at Aang. She's like sliding on a on a like thing on a cart on a shoot opposing them. So she's doing a bunch of stuff chasing. And meanwhile, Katara is she's so Katara and Sokka are in a battle with May and Ty Lee. And Katara ends up freezing May, but then Ty Lee instantly paralyzes her. And I also liked how Sokka's like running away, and you see like Ty Lee's hand pop up out of the floorboards and. Like trip Sokka and like render yeah. him mobile. That came out of nowhere. It was like uh, a horror movie, honestly. Except instead of like <laughs> the hand of Jason, you just see like Tylee's little dainty hand pop up. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. I didn't expect for the hand to come out of the floorboard, but yeah. So Tylee knocks Sokka down. Uh, Katara freezes May, and then Tylee gets her and takes away her bending temporarily. As as uh, Katara is trying to summon the courage to get the water whip back up. Uh, it's not it's not coming up. It's not uh, able to work and she's not able to bend. Um, we switched to, back to Aang and Boomy uh, after he freezes the chain. They're like falling down more classic male delivery shoot fights uh, and chases as they are going down. We have a lot of gaffes where, you know, uh, Azula's like in one of the shoots and then she like goes under and like hides for a second. They think she's good, but no, then she pops back up. Lots of that sort of 
iconic, uh, like, I guess, chase stuff. Yeah, like the, the classic stuff you get in any chasey. But Avatar does the does do these scenes well. I was just I didn't realize how much time prior to the episode that this chase scene took up. It was a long, it was a long scene. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Aang thinks he's got Azula off his tail at numerous points, but she keeps on chasing him. Especially as it is eventually Aang will get get rid of he'll get Azula off his tail but he so he'll end up having this conversation with Boomy and Aang's, Aang's not happy with Boomy he tells him he's like why didn't you free yourself why didn't you do all these things why did you stop and Boomy explains the concept of Jing to Aang so he, Jing, he says Jing is like the key to all bending it says you need to use positive Jing when you're attacking and negative Jing when you're retreating and Aang's like I know I know I know about the Jing because Aang must have heard all this stuff in like air nomad school once upon a time but then Boomy explains neutral Jing and he says neutral Jing is the key to earth bending neutral Jing is technically doing nothing but he, he says he needs to know the correct time to strike and he so for that reason he knows he has to stay he tells ang he'll need an earthbending teacher who's mastered neutral jing in particular which is interesting yeah. they don't talk about jing too much in the scope of the show but i did want to stop down and talk about this uh discussion because it did interest me yeah this is stuff that's uh like more in the lore explored a little bit more you know people have like talked about like the different types of jing in fact king boomy says there are 85 different types uh, <laughs> i wonder if he more- pulled that number out of his keister if that's a true statement <laughs> i wonder i'll trust boomy why not give him the benefit uh, of the and he says momo's mastered a few jings himself and that's why momo is such a talented economist oh yes yeah, yeah, the, yeah momo uh, bought it to gamestop early yeah, he got <laughs> oh, that stock and it was so cheap Oh my gosh, GameStop is such a nightmare. That stock. Uh, anyway, that's what we're here for. We're not <laughs> no, we're not. Though. I was just, I was just making a throwaway joke about Momo. To be honest. the the economics jing can can die for exactly a his like his like jing like bachelor's degree in economics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, Appa's got a few more as well. Like yeah. putting YOLO bets and uh, foreclosing his house <laughs> to bet on GameStop. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway, uh back to the actual episode. We have King Boomy saying, uh like, yeah, he can uh earthbend the entire time. He only surrendered because he wanted to wait and direct his energy where it needed to go. Um and so I think that this is like good perspective for why King Boomy, who seems so crazy, is doing a lot of his actions. He probably is really in touch with this neutral jing and is and like understands that while his actions don't make sense to a lot of people. Uh, that they set him up well because he's I, I did, you're right and I, I like Boomy overall as a character because I think they do a good job making him seem crazy but he's a lot more intelligent than he appears but I think he still should have conveyed this to the resistance especially at least that one resistance leader because no one else even wanted to fight any, I'm sure if yeah. he told them hey I, I don't I think we should not fight we should just retreat for now I think most of them would agree like, except for the one so I don't know I, I think he's just he should have done a better job conveying this to the citizens of Omashu that's all but I, it's not the worst plan especially if he wants them to be better earthbenders you definitely want to like say like oh no use your neutral jing like this should be linguistic like or language that all of them understand like this should be common language between them so we probably should have just said it but it doesn't lead to the nice reveal that we have here as Boomy decides uh, he's going to go back. He's going to decide to get captured again. He says, I'll see you when the time is right. And he takes his rock and sends him right back up the chute. 
laughing like an incre- incredibly crazy person. Yeah, I, I, I forgot to mention this, though. Boomy this whole time could earthbend, which is another thing Aang asked him, because how they end up escaping Azula, Boomy with just his head exposed, earthbends a rock that, like, shoots them far away. And Aang's like, yo, you could earthbend this whole time? Why don't you free yourself? Well, <laughs> that's what he ends up doing. And it's crazy. Boomy can earthbend only with his head. Yeah, <laughs> and, and no one else he says it like it's so obvious. He's like, well, yeah, they didn't cover my head. But, like, what? no one would have thought to cover your no, head. We've never seen anybody prior to Boomy earthbend with just their head. So, honestly, I didn't even know this was possible for benders until I saw Boomy do it. Exactly. Um, anyway. So yeah, and Aang delivers Tom Tom in secret at night because Sokka and uh, they, Azula did not take Tom Tom away, actually. They still had Tom Tom, but Aang secretly delivers him, and the episode pretty much ends. Yeah, this episode actually ends on a happy note. You know, so many of the episodes end on something negative. And even though we end with the Fire Nation, uh, the scene right before this, we hear May saying, oh, we're going to track down your brother and uncle. And we learn from Ty Lee that May has a little crush on uh, Zuka, which is which is fun. But yeah, this episode ends on a happy note. We have Tom Tom reignited with the rest of his family. Uh, or reunited, not ignited. <laughs> I mean, he's not set on Jeez. fire. That's a, that's another baby in um, TV and film. I'm um, Jack, like Jack, Jack. Mm, he's not Jack, ignited. Yeah. Of course, uh, but yeah. So I think, uh, yeah. This this episode ends on a happy note and fades uh, off to black. So there you go. That is Return to Amashu. Zach, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I enjoyed this episode, honestly, I on a rewatch, but I think a lot of it is set up, but I think it's fun. I think my issue is I would have preferred if instead of a chase scene, they had a more conventional fight scene. But I think because it was the return to Omashu, the creators and like the animators are like, okay, we want to use these shoots once again. But I felt like, I don't know, it was a little played out for me. And it was a little long. That was my issue with it. The overall writing and plot in this episode was good. And I thought the comedy landed. I like Sokka and the villagers with the pentapox. So I enjoyed this episode, but I think there are a couple of things that could have been a little better. What about you, Jacob? Yeah, I agree with you. The like multiple chase scenes kind of get a little bit old. I love the mail delivery system. I like that it's used as like a as a way to get away. Uh, and ultimately, like it has to be more of like a chase rather than a fight. Because uh, I don't think you want like one group to win because Boomy needs to have that conversation with Aang. So I, I kind of yeah, you're, right, you're right. You're right. It makes it makes sense within the scope of the show. Like this is not a show that has or this is not an episode that has any like plot holes within the writing or anything. Yeah. But just in terms of a viewer, what I like to see, I don't know. The chase yeah. got a little boring, if I'm being honest. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, but ultimately, this is a good episode. You know, I love seeing Boomy. The introduction of May and Ty Lee are great. We really have the the series set up. Um, very few characters other than Toph, of course, will get introduced and be so consequential. We kind of have the bad guys all set up, like all of their pieces are now on the board. We have May and Ty Lee ready to go. Um, we have the whole Zuko and Iroh story. We have Ozai. The whole bad guys are set up. And all we have to do is introduce that last Toff piece to have the whole board set up before uh, the events just go for the next two seasons. Yeah. So where do you want to go here, Jacob? You want to give our episode ratings? Yeah, let's give our episode rankings. Uh, As always, you can write in with your episode rankings. Your ranking will be averaged in for the listener ranking and then combined with Zach's ranking and my ranking to get the official ing in their ranking from zero to four cabbages. Zach, you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll give this episode a 3.3 out of 4. 
That's my line. Right. I think that's like that's a, if you're scoring it, and that's like close to eighty percent. And I think that's like what I'll give. That gives us like a B plus for an episode. What about yourself, Jacob? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm right there with you. I'm at a three point four. I think this is a good episode. Uh, this is an episode that I, you know, I think of fondly when I look back on it. This does a great job of introducing. It's just like the first episode, uh, the Avatar State. A lot of exposition without making the entire episode suffer. And that's hard. Uh, I feel like that's not something. Yeah, the the movie struggled with that, which we talked about. Like all exposition, whereas the writers of Avatar The Last Airbender throughout the whole series do an excellent job setting it up, setting up what's going to happen in the series with it still feeling fresh and entertaining. So excellent job by the writers. Yeah, and the listeners are right there with us at a 3.32, leaving this episode at a 3.34. Yeah, and I, I think that's about right. Sometimes I disagree. Sometimes I think the listeners are too high on stuff. Other times I think the listeners are too low. But this, I, I think I'm in agreement with the listeners. I think that's about right for where this episode should go. Yeah, um, I agree. I think this is uh, right where the episode ought to be. Uh, now we can rank the battle, or I guess chase, rather. Um, here we have the chase scene at the end. It comprises like the fight um, between Azula's gang and Team Avatar, as well as the chase uh, of Azula and Boomy. Uh, Zach, you want to start us off on the fight ranking? Yeah, we, we didn't go into great detail, but there were a lot of little things that I enjoyed in this fight. Like I talked about Azula. At one point, she shoots like a wheel of flame and Aang, which I thought was really cool. It was a firebending technique that I had not seen in any episode we watched prior to this. I think uh, Katara utilizing the octopus style or like the water whip on both hands. She like grabs Mei with that at one point. So I love when Katara's fighting like that. But overall, I kind of, and honestly, you know what I wish? I wish the episode on focused even more on the scuffle of Katara and soccer between me and Ty Lee rather than yeah. the Azula Ang chase, but they had to do that. So that 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 was what I for so altogether for those two fights, I'll give them I'll give that a three point one out of four. What about yourself, Jacob? Yeah, I think I'm actually right there at a 3.1 with you. Oh, uh, wow. Nice. Yeah, uh, I think we're right there. Some Patago together. This is an interesting fight. You know, it's the first time we see May, Ty Lee, and Azula all yes. fighting together. Uh, we've seen, you know, uh, May and Azula by themselves, but we get to see like this sort of like bad guy group. Um, I like seeing Tylee's fighting. It's fun to see someone who's like whipping around with as much, uh, I guess, agility as Aang does. Here, I think that, yeah, the fight does suffer a bit just because it seems to go on for a while. There are some like neat uh, tricks on the mail delivery system, but I agree. I would have liked to see Ty Lee and May face off against Guitar and Sokka a bit longer. Yeah, uh, we do get we do get a cool moment where. Uh, May's like, how are you going to fight without your bending? And Sokka's like, I seem to manage. And Sokka like uh, hits May to the ground with a boomerang. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was like a pretty cool moment. But ultimately, uh, yeah, like I think it falls a bit flat. And this is not like uh, one of the best be- best fights, but still, uh, you know, over three out of four. Nothing to complain about. Yeah, no, I and I completely agree with your ranking because we have the exact same one. <laughs> there we go. Disagree <laughs> there. Uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, not much listener feedback this time. Uh, Lydia, that, that's on me. But you know why? Because I forgot to post a question thread. My apologies, everyone. This week I was not. I dropped the ball. There will be a question thread next week for sure. And you can always write in. You know where you can write in. 
um, at posterrecaps.com slash ATLA. Is that, no, that's where they leave the reviews. That's, that's where you can leave those five-star reviews. Yes. You can write in avatar at posterrecaps.com. Uh, dot com, not Tom, not Tom, Tom, <laughs> not Tom, <laughs> Tom. No, or, no right of that. <laughs> or uh, tweeted us at Posha Recaps, uh, and we will be sure to incorporate your feedback. Yeah, exactly. If you have any questions and you think like, oh, we're not somehow missing it through the me- email, even though we always see every email that we get sent in, feel free to tweet directly at us. You can get any question you want answered from the horse's mouth because we're all me and Jacob are very open to any feedback yeah. through Twitter and anything like that. Yeah, happy happy to uh, have more Avatar discourse in the world. Uh, Lydia did write in, though. She said, so Azula is being rude to Tylee with a whole, our parents didn't send us to the Royal Fire Academy for girls for you to join the circus, which is very on brand for her. Fine character development. But then you remember she's 14, so she's just name-dropping your middle school. Thus, I challenge you to name-drop your middle school during the episode or for a more traditional inquiry come up with any scenario where you could name drop your middle school in real life and not end up looking foolish. Mm, well, see, the issue is there are no middle schools in Canada. We only have elementary oh. school and post and uh, secondary school. And that's it. So like high school, you have elementary school and high school and that's it. So from kindergarten to seventh grade is elementary. And huh. from um, eighth grade to 12th grade is just high school. There's no like seven days. The only reason I know about middle school is because I watch a lot of American TV shows. So that's the only reason why I know anything about middle schools. Wow. You I, I, still can, I still can answer this question because I can just use my elementary school. And in the seventh grade, excuse me, in the seventh grade, I switched to another school. So I can give this an answer, but I'll let you take it first, Jacob. Well, here I'm learning all about uh, the different yeah. types of schooling systems in uh, our neighbor <laughs> to the north. I did not know. I assume that middle school is common. Uh, so I went to West Middle School. Um, I was in the theater magnet at the school uh, to work that into normal conversation and not seem like I was either forcing it in or seeming foolish would be quite hard. In fact, I was trying to do it during the episode, like find the time to mention it. Uh, and I just can't like it's so odd, like your high school makes sense, even like elementary, like fond memories. But those middle school years, like those two awkward years that I like did not enjoy, I feel like it'd be hard to drop. So. I feel like the only thing that you could do is maybe if uh, like the Broncos were playing a football game, um, our mascot was the Broncos. So maybe I could mention it there. That's my best shot. Yeah, for me, I'm lucky. It's easy to name drop my elementary school because I went to this Muslim private school in our predominantly Asian city. So like every Muslim person who went to high school, other high schools in the surrounding area, a lot of them like came from that school. It was called BC Muslim School. Horrible elementary, to be honest. It's a It was a pri- quote unquote private school, but it was the most ghetto private school ever. But because of that, I never really have any trouble working it into conversation because I'm always telling funny stories from from like my school life in school, especially that elementary was wild. A lot of crazy stuff happened, but I remember I'd always get into trouble at school and you would have to write these disciplinary reports. They'd send you home. You have to get their mom, your mom to sign them, but I would forge my mom's signature. So she would never Ooh. know I was getting in trouble. I'd always, I'd, I'd, I'd trace her because my handwriting is disgusting, but I trace over her signature. <laughs> so I was able to get away with uh, getting in trouble at uh, my elementary school. But yeah, that, I, it's easier to name drop an elementary school. I, if I actually went to middle school, I'd struggle name dropping it. So I, it's, it's a tough for you. West middle school, pretty generic name. I don't know how you would slot that into conversation. Yeah. Yeah. West is pretty generic. The other one in the town was Westwood. Uh, not much better. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Like 
The schools were generic. Here, I, I'm learning new things about you, Zach. I didn't know that you were an Azula type in your childhood, forging yeah, your mom's signature. Yeah, and I think I, what it was, it was like, because when I was at home, I was very well behaved, honestly. But when I went to school, I was just like, man, I just want to have fun, mess around. I was not the worst behaved kid. I never did anything too bad. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like to have my fun. I mellowed out in high school, but in elementary, I was pretty wild. What can I say? Yeah, I feel like that happens to a lot of people. I was the same way. You know, we talked earlier. Yes, uh, we did talk about, <laughs> about how you get kicked out of class. So uh, we have yeah. talked about that on the air before. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I find another school days, if I not find another funny story from like my middle schooling years when I was in elementary and like early high school, I'll tell it on the podcast. But right. uh, yeah, great question from Lydia as always. And yeah, maybe maybe one of these days we'll get Lydia on the show because we don't currently we don't have a guest for the TOF episode, but we I feel like we could we should get a t- maybe we'll talk about that off air. But okay, yeah, 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 yeah. we we can uh, work that out. That's a great episode coming up yes. in two weeks. So yeah, it's gonna be two, I feel like we definitely need a guest for that one though, regardless of wherever it is. So we'll talk yeah, about it off air. It is a really good episode. Yeah, anyway, and then, uh, do you want to jump into our T quartet? So it's the final yeah. segment. You guys know how we do it usually if you've been listening listen to this before so we take four fictional or non-fictional characters we slot them into bending classes and uh, yeah we decide what type of bender they would be and today we're doing team iron man from avengers so jacob do you want to talk about the four characters we're going to be doing yeah so we're going to be doing iron man himself uh we're going to be doing spider-man vision and black panther and yeah uh, i, I want to make a note here because yep. we did announce on the show we were going to do black widow the issue is black widow we we i think there's a more obvious firebender here so we can't flop, slot black widow there and like we didn't want to just you know put her in the water i don't think black widow's a waterbender so instead we decided to change her out with vision because we didn't announce we were going to do black widow on the show so don't want to disappoint any black widow fans there but instead we might as well start off with the waterbender we replaced her with vision and the thing with vision is like out of all these guys he's the most calm by far he's the most reserved He's and but at the same time he is open to change and waterbending is the element of change because I feel like he's a robot he's attracted to this human Scarlet Witch so of <laughs> course of course he has to be willing to change and not live the way he normally lives like a generic yeah. robot lifestyle what do you have to add on to that Jacob what are your yeah, thoughts it's it, the waterbender yeah, here. If you think about Vision, uh, you know, Vision starts off as Jarvis, like the AI assistant, at least in the MCU. Uh, He's like starting off as like, you know, helping out, uh, always there to, you know, assist uh, Iron Man. Then Ultron kind of like takes him over and he then becomes his final form in Vision. So if you go through like the path that he has, like he is very versatile. He's doing many different things in his different capacities. He has so many different types of powers uh, in that way. He's kind of like a waterbender. The way that he fights, he can like phase in and out of existence. So in that way, like he's kind of flowing in and out of reality. And I think he's the one who's very rational hyper uh, focused on like that sort of rational side of himself. I think that makes him the waterbender because uh, you know, he kind of has gotten past his emotions and like only lets them uh, like only lets them help influence him and like help make things better and not like detract away. Yeah, so I think he's the uh, waterbender. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I think the next person who's probably the even easier to peg is Spider-Man as our airbender. I think yeah. <laughs> I don't even think it needs much explaining. I mean, St- <laughs> Spider-Man, like Peter Parker, he's so similar to Ang. J. Jonah Jameson, fun fact, the actor who plays him, J.K. Simmons, I think is his name, also voices Tenzin in The Legend of Korra. 
So look oh, at that. Yeah, There's even yeah. a Spider-Man to Airbender connection right there. There you go. Well, I definitely think that Spider-Man is the airbender here. You know, every iteration of Spider-Man, except for Spider-Man 3, where Tobey Maguire's brooding as Venom, is airbender. Uh, just the character of Peter Parker is made to be an airbender. Yes. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's a high school student in some depictions. Others, he's in college. He's always working for, what is it, the Daily Bugle? Is that the yep. name of his magazine? Yeah. He's always doing his thing there. But you can tell, like, while he's young, he does have these good leadership qualities and but at the same time even when he's fighting these villains he's always sees the fun in it he always like every spider-man cartoon you watch spider-man's got like a funny joke in the middle of combat with a villain which i think is a very airbendery trait to not take these uh, any fight that seriously so yeah i think by far he's the easiest to peg spider-man as our airbender I agree with you there. I think the next easy one is Iron Man as mm-hmm. the firebender. Uh, you know, he's like the playboy uh, millionaire. He's, you know, out on the town having a great time. Very charismatic, very aggressive. He literally creates a uh, robot that like fires off rockets. Like this man is showy. He's flashy. He's the firebender of the group for sure. Yeah, I agree. He's not he's one of the few superheroes whose personality is out there. He's not like his DC counterpart Bruce Wayne who's mm-hmm. uh, who's yeah. um and who's anonymous to the public. So, yeah, I I, th- I think it makes sense to have him as our firebender. He's very showy. He's very flashy with everything he does. So, yeah, for that reason, uh, yeah, and completely makes sense to have him as our firebender. And the last person we have is King T'Challa, the Black Panther, as our Earthbender. And I think this makes sense because Earthbenders are usually not willing to change or like they're very like steadfast with stuff they do. And the thing with T'Challa is like he did not want to open um what was it? He did not want to open Wakanda to the rest of the world. That's what Killmonger wanted to do. So Wakandans all over the place could benefit from their surplus supply of uh, vibranium. So for that reason, I feel like it's it is a little bit of a stretch, but I think King T'Challa is pretty earthbender. I mean he's a strong, powerful earthbender, which begs the question would win king t'challa or king boomy Ooh, what a difficult question honestly uh I, that would be quite the fight to see you know you have king boomy throwing rocks at him uh black panther taking the energy uh and then redirecting it right back the thing is, it's, it's like how powerful is vibranium relative to like the average rock because is vib- vibranium is one of the most powerful substances in the like marvel universe i'm pretty sure it's up there yeah, it's definitely stronger than any rock. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if you just like threw a rock at vibranium, like the vibranium would beat the rock. So I'm tempted to say that uh, Black Panther gets the dub here. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, I love Boomy, but I think especially when you're not the Avatar, you're always going to be limited by having only one bending ability. Whereas I think like I would pick Ang over T'Challa, but uh, yeah. Boomy here, no, nah, I, I, I would go with King T'Challa as well. Yeah, I, I think that if there's any sort of metal bending involved then uh black panther's just uh destroyed because so you like think, you think tough like pro, like let's say adult tough in her tko life, athletic prime tko you think no question yeah, yeah because you just take the vibranium in his suit and you just like take it out and now he's just fighting like you just wreck true him. true true like, it's easy, easy he doesn't have any superhuman abilities you're a bigger marvel expert than me is it his um, suit that grants him all his power no, he definitely does, but like you could use the metal in his suit to just like confine him to where he can't move. 
So oh, I, I, yeah, no, that, I didn't even think of that prior, but you're right. Yeah. So I guess Toph does just destroy King, uh, yeah. King T'Challa. Well, Toph uh, is like one of the most powerful people. So it true, makes sense. True. But no. there you go. That's our T quartet. We have Spider-Man as the airbender. We have Vision as the waterbender. Iron Man as the firebender. And King T'Challa, Black Panther as our earthbender. Next week, we'll be coming back with something very similar in the series. We'll be doing doing Team Captain America. Uh, That'll be Captain America, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, and Winter Soldier. Maybe uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, maybe Scarlet Witch. I I think Scarlet Witch, because Winter Soldier, like, who the hell cares about Bucky? Let's be real. (laughs) Do people give a shit? I'm sorry. Like, I'm a part of my language. But do people care about, I don't know. I like Bucky I think WandaVision is more, like, hit people are watching WandaVision. Like, I think people like the Scarlet Witch. Might as well go with what's popular. So, all right. Black Black Widow, I know people care about. That's why I had to give the disclaimer. Bucky, I think if we removed him, we wouldn't even have to say anything. I I don't think any Bucky fans will be deep into the comments so i'm not too worried bucky to the wind bucky's <laughs> out of here here we are standing scarlet witch we put vision Perfect. in uh maybe when black widow comes out eventually like in may we can do something about yeah that. no no we'll, we'll incorporate her because I, I i i just think she's not a waterbender and it would have been lazy to slot her as a waterbender so That's i kind right. of am glad like we'll find a spot to place her as a bender but yeah on that note thanks to everybody who listens you can follow me on twitter at zach muhammad 32 and where can they follow you jacob at jk redman perfect thanks a lot everyone peace out bye Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.